does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm your host, Jimmy Cook, and for the coach, Bob Lovell, 24 hours removed from the 2023 NBA draft. Is it really the last time the Pacers will be in the lottery? Plus, Hoosiers, Jalen Hutchifino, Trace Jackson Davis, they're out west. What's that like for them? We'll get to it all. But first... We turn our attention to the star of the show. It's Network Indiana's Nathaniel Finch. Nathaniel Finch with you here on Indiana Sports Talk. Big thank you to Graham Shear keeping us on air as well. We'll give you all the scores throughout the evening every 15 minutes. But for the first biggest story in baseball tonight, how about the Cincinnati Reds up 11-8 at home against the Atlanta Braves? But that's not it. It's not the fact that Joey Votto has two home runs in the game. It's the fact that Ellie De La Cruz just hit the first cycle for a red since Eric Davis did so in 1989. They lead by a couple runs. And we look over in Minnesota and Detroit. The Twins win up in Detroit against the Tigers 4-1. to Meanwhile, the Brewers, bottom of the ninth with two outs, a 7-1 lead over the Cleveland Guardians, that one in Ohio. And then the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago White Sox, they're up in Chicago, bottom of the fifth. Two outs, and the Red Sox lead 3-1. to Meanwhile, we've got some Indians action at Victory Field. A lot of runs scored, 14-5 to the score in the eighth. And finally, we've got the South Bend Cubs trailing the Fort Wayne 10-cap 6-3. I'm Nathaniel Finch. Well, once again, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the coach, Bob Lovell. You can follow me on Twitter at the J Cook. Special shout out as well to our producer, Graham Shear. And Nathaniel Finch, you'll hear him throughout the show every 15 minutes giving you scoreboard updates. Pretty remarkable what's happening with the Reds. We're going to dive into that a little bit in this first hour around 947. A fellow Indiana voice, albeit now in Ohio, in Charlie Clifford, you may know him from his days at Wish TV, now over at WLWT NBC5 in Cincinnati. Didn't know what type of vibes we'd have for that conversation this evening, given the fact that the one mark, if anything, against the Reds, even the most faithful of Reds fans would have said during this streak is, well, they've taken care of business against average teams for the most part, outside of that impressive three-game sweep against the Houston Astros in Houston, which is something that is not an easy feat to accomplish. And you add that into the fact that, as Nathaniel mentioned, Ellie De La Cruz, the first Cincinnati Red to hit for the cycle since Eric Davis, but that's not even the cherry on top of this game, as much as it is another fine element, another fine nod to the type of player that the Reds appear to have in Ellie De La Cruz. But this is a game where it looked like from the get-go that the Atlanta Braves were going to have Cincinnati's number. They jump out to a 5 to nothing lead in the first inning, punch back again in the fifth to retake the lead once the Reds tied things up. Then in the home half of the fifth, they score four. Back and forth they've gone. It's 11-8. to eight. This would be probably... I mean, hard to call this not the most impressive win the Reds have had over this stretch, but the fact that you can have an argument about that in June 23rd of this season speaks heavily to the type of turnaround the Cincinnati Reds are having. We'll have that conversation with Charlie Clifford again at around 947 here in the first hour of the program. But we begin the proceedings with the fallout 
from the 2023 NBA draft. In case you missed it, in case you've been away from the sports world for some reason, the Pacers able to get what they feel is the final centerpiece, final foundational cornerstone to this rebuild in Jairus Walker out of Houston with the number eight pick. Again, that's right. They had seven, but they made a trade with the Washington Wizards to move back one spot and also receive two second rounders from Hold on to your seats. 2028. So it's going to be a little while before those picks actually convey. But anytime you're able to get any sort of assets just to move back one spot, you're not going to complain about it. Too bad. Pacers able to get their guy anyway in Jairus Walker, which in theory sets them up very nicely when you look at a potential starting five in a couple of months when they finally open the season in October. Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Buddy Heald, Jairus Walker, Miles Turner. If you were to tell me that was going to be the starting lineup today, if that was the angle the Pacers were going for, I would sign up for that. That's not quite looking fully at what they're going to have coming off the bench, and that's not even including what the Pacers could potentially do in free agency. They're going to have the ability to be spenders if they want to. Roughly $25 million in cap space post-draft, but pre rookie signing. So they'll have to have some of that carried over once they're able to establish contract agreements with the draft picks. They made four picks in total. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And for the Pacers, That is, again, just a lead-in to their real runway they'll have to improve this roster further when free agency begins. All in all, the objectives last night for the Pacers were pretty simple in my book. Don't reach on somebody that is not of a need right now, and don't make a trade just for the sake of making a trade from a veteran perspective. Maybe not so much the idea of going to get more draft capital like they did. Moving one spot, I'm fine with. To get a couple second rounders that are in the war chest down the line, totally fine with that. But had they made a move to you know, go acquire a, a player that they felt forced to, to instantly get in a better spot next year and rush the development of these rookies, that would have been something that would have received some pushback from my end and from a lot of Pacers fans. Same thing had they reached on a guy like Grady Dick. That was a player out of Kansas that perhaps might have been linked to the Pacers because of his ability to work it from beyond the arc, though the defense isn't much better than what the Pacers have right now in Buddy Heald. So that would have been a questionable move right off the bat. However, it was something that, again, was potentially rumored to the Pacers with that seventh pick. All in all, though, you're able to get a dominant force in the wing you needed in Jairus Walker. Now, he needs to be able to fine-tune his ability from three-point land, roughly 34% in college, but catch-and-shoot numbers much better at about 40%. So if he's able to fine-tune that and adjust to a level where he's a true threat and defenses are having to respect him from beyond the arc, it's going to open up everything the Pacers want to do offensively from Benedict Matherin, from Tyrese Halliburton, from Buddy Heald, etc., We'll get into more on what this draft means for the Pacers, how they can improve into free agency, and more when we come back. You're listening to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the coach, Bob Lovell. I know I'm stealing some thunder from 
the great Nathaniel Shear. Oh, I did it. I knew I was going to do it. Nathaniel Finch. Everybody, we're going to just cancel the show. I knew I was going to do it. At some point, I had a talk with producer Graham Shear beforehand, before the show started, that I was not going to mess up any names tonight, and I have. So, you, you know, one. Uh, hopefully, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Nathaniel. Nathaniel Finch, I apologize. That is on me. I wear the L. Half of it was because I was trying to steal your thunder, and that's what I deserve. You know, I, I, I tried to go outside my lane, and I got punished for it. That, that is what it is. I apologize to you both. Uh, to Nathaniel Finch to once again steal some thunder from him. That Reds-Braves game is not going anywhere. That thing is going to get very, very interesting. It is now 11-10 Reds heading towards the bottom of the eighth inning after the Braves put up three in the away half of the eighth. So I know Nathaniel will be monitoring that as the night rolls on, and we'll continue to track that as well, both on our side and on the update desk every 15 minutes. By the way, I'm willing to go on record in terms of the alternate uniforms in the MLB. The red city unis, the black unis with the like dark red numerals and the black trim, probably the best in baseball. Like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not being over the top with that. They are clean. They are crisp. Big, big fan of the Reds' alternate uniforms. We'll dive into more of all things Reds when we have Charlie Clifford again here in a segment from now. But going back to the Pacers, other news that crossed the wire today in terms of non-draft moves, but moves that are going to impact this roster from a standpoint of, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think that they'd bring in a guy like that. The Pacers acquire Oscar Shibwe from Kentucky. He went undrafted on a two-way contract, meaning that he'll split time between the Fort Wayne Mad Ants and the Indiana Pacers. Shibwe comps a lot like Trace Jackson Davis in terms of being a big that is outdated in today's NBA, meaning there's not a lot of consistency from being a stretch big. He really is that dinosaur-like, how-do-you-find-realms-of-playing-time-in-this-league player. Now, that being said, you've seen still players that fit that mold find avenues of playing time in the league. Look no further than, and this is at the back end of his career, and one of our favorites in the state of Indiana, and Cody Zeller, who was being a five to seven minute a game guy in the playoffs when called upon, if that, some nights it wasn't even that, but when called upon with the Miami Heat, Thomas Bryant with the Lakers last year, obviously finished with Denver, but pieces like that, there's still room for the old school big men to find themselves a role, but in all likelihood, much like Mojave King and Isaiah Wong, this signing of Oscar Sheboy on a two-way deal likely to be something the Pacers are hoping to play into a developmental piece as the years go by. Not something that you're going to expect from an impact window right out of the gate. We're going to get into this in larger form in the 10 o'clock hour, around 10.06 to be exact. But for the Pacers, there's a real sense of this is to be our last year in the lottery mentality, meaning this is year three of a rebuild, and you've seen now in back-to-back years picks within the top ten of Benedict Matherin and now Jairus Walker. And this core they have established now with Tyrese Halliburton leading the pack, there is a power vacuum at stake right now in the Eastern Conference, particularly with seeds four through six, where if you look up and down the standings, 
you could easily find yourself an avenue where I could see the Pacers leapfrogging the Knicks. I could see the Pacers supplanting where the Nets were this year. I could see the Pacers potentially making some ground on the Cavs. Those are all possibilities in the Pacers' mind. But they still have to have that proper execution on the defensive end if they want to get anywhere close to that come this season. Jarris Walker will help that. We'll talk more on that as the show goes on. But first, a scoreboard update with Nathaniel Finch, and then all reds with Charlie Clifford of WLWT on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Welcome into the Network Indiana scoreboard update. I'm Nathaniel Finch here with you every 15 minutes. Let's talk some Reds. Bottom of the eighth, as Jimmy said, this game is not going anywhere. The Reds at home, 11-10 to lead over the Braves. They're batting, but they've got two outs to their name. How about this game, though? Ten home runs combined between the two teams. Ellie De La Cruz has one. Of course, he's got the cycle. Jake Fraley with a home run. Joey Votto has two. Yeah, a lot of people forgot about that guy. How about for Atlanta? Ronald Acuna has a home run. Austin Riley has a home run. Matt Olson has a pair. And Travis Darnode with a home run. I'll tell you all about this game. Probably final score next time we talk at 10 o'clock. But as far as some other scores around the league, how about the Boston Red Sox in Chicago playing the White Sox? They're in the bottom of the sixth. The White Sox up to bat with one out. 3-1 to one is that lead for Boston. A couple final scores for you. The Minnesota Twins win 4-1 to one up in Detroit and take down the Tigers. Meanwhile, the Brewers in Cleveland win 7-1 to one that game. Not pretty. Shane Bieber gets the loss. As for the Indians over at Victory Field, how about this? 18 runs and counting. 18-5 to five, the lead for them. Then we look over at some single-A action. The two Indiana teams going at it right now in South Bend. Fort Wayne leads 6-4. to four, The Tin Caps leading the Cubs. Plenty of scores, and I'll give you a lot more. Coming up here at the 10 o'clock hour for Network Indiana Sports, I'm Nathaniel Finch. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the coach, Bob Lovell. So pleased you've chosen to spend part of your Friday night with us here on IST. Nathaniel Finch, every 15 minutes on the scoreboard updates. Graham Shear behind the ones and twos. Happy to have them along for the ride. Let's take a rain check on Charlie Clifford with the Reds game Still going on as things stand as they go to the top of the ninth with the Reds trying to close things out, make it 12 in a row. So perhaps we'll be able to make something happen with Charlie tomorrow, or maybe we can have something with him a little bit later in the show. But as we all know, whenever the sports calendar calls, we adapt on the fly. We'll go back instead to our conversation with the Pacers looking at a broader picture of where this team stands, not just from a a need standpoint now, but also what they were able to do from a long-term vision of what this team is supposed to be around Tyrese Halliburton, around Benedict Matherin, and around Jairus Walker now. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is a tough conversation to be had, but it's one that's going to amplify over the next couple of months. And that is, what are the Pacers going to do with Buddy Heald? Now, Buddy Heald is a fan favorite. He is beloved by Tyrese Halliburton by all accounts. They get along very, very well. Buddy Heald is also approaching his early 30s, and he is in a contract year. 
And while he's a very dominant shooter, just at a Pacers franchise record on threes last season, you really have to map this out for what this Pacers core is going to look like. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, going into next season, we can be as hyped up as we want about the Indiana Pacers. They are not contending next season, barring something truly insane. They are not contending next season for the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Everybody's going to have those signs in the locker room. Everybody's going to be like, oh, we're going to contend for a championship. We're, we're, we're shooting for perfection. Win today, 1-0, 1%, all, the, all that stuff. All those semantics. That's great. That's in every locker room around the league. We understand that. But only one is able to raise that trophy, and only a handful are actually able to qualify for the darn thing. The Pacers, at this stage, even if I'm being super aggressive in my mind for what I want them to be next year, is somewhere in the four to six range from a playoff seating perspective. That is because I don't want them in the play-in next year. The play-in, even though I enjoy it and it's exciting at times, I'll watch almost anything NBA or college basketball if it's packaged the right way, and the NBA packages the play-in in a proper setting. The problem is the stats don't actually count towards the real postseason. They are their own wing of statistics for the NBA. It doesn't actually count as a real playoff berth. I'm not going to go as far as to call it a sham, but it is what it is. It is a door to open competitive balance to an extent that teams that are in the back half of the standings are not just going to punt the first week of February. They have something still to play for. I don't want the Pacers a part of that group. Even if the Heat made it out last year, or not last year, just a couple weeks ago, made it out to be able to make a run to the finals. That is not a normal thing that just happened. And by the way, the Heat was where they were from a standings perspective. We're only about three and a half or so back from being a six seed. So they were really an eight seed in disguise in terms of their body of work last season. And also, they have had... 17-plus years of culture being built in South Beach to a point that any roster you put together that Pat Riley has his hands on, that Eric Spolster is leading, you could almost expect nine times out of ten they're going to be competitive. They have been to two finals in the last four years. They've been to the Eastern Conference Finals at minimum three of the last four years. There's an expectation there. That's not here right now in Indiana. And I say that because... If they squeak in next year as a 9 seed or an 8 seed going into the play-in, that's not going to excite me to a point where I feel like, yeah, they have a really chance to be able to get in there and, and maybe win a championship. I need proper seeding for this team, which is why the bar is set at a 4-6 to six range. And that brings us back to Buddy Heald. Because if you were a Pacers fan that liked and enjoyed the feelings of Well, we lost a lot of games last year, but boy, were they fun. Boy, did we see growth and improvement, and I get what Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard are building here, but I want more now. If you're in that camp, your more that you set shouldn't be the play-in. It should be that four to six range. And if that's the bar next year, what should it be a season out after that in 2024 2025. Well, if you're making it into the playoffs as a legitimate non-play-in team, a 4-6 to six seed next year, it would stand to reason after a whole nother offseason, you would want this team to be in a spot where, okay, this core we've built, 
we feel like is going to be able to be a perennial playoff team, maybe even a contender. Consistently in a spot like where the Nets for a stretch the last couple years have established themselves, or the Celtics have been for the better part of a decade, or where the Sixers have been since Embiid is there. That is the path that you want to be on. And you really have to look from a roster construction standpoint of if Buddy Heald is going to be a member of that in three, four, or five years. And from my viewpoint with where the Pacers are going to be and the type of money that Buddy might be able to demand as a free agent, the answer is no. And if the answer is no, who's going to replace his ability as a shooter? You know the defensive struggles are there, so you'd probably improve on that end, honestly, without having Buddy Heald out there. But who is going to add on this roster as a player that is able to be a knockdown shooter at the two? In a perfect world where everything develops exactly the way that you want it to, and there's no doubt on our mind whatsoever about the picks they've made, it would be Ben Shepard out of Belmont that they took with the 26th pick last night. He would be the type of player shooting... 41% from three in college at Belmont, 6'5", 195. Even though he has some limitations from an athletic standpoint, he still has the capability to be able to be a nice catch-and-shoot two guard. That would be right now how the roster is constructed. No other moves are made. Who you would want to one day succeed Buddy Heald. I'm not saying that can't change. I'm not saying they could trade for somebody more dominant tomorrow. But that's where the path is at right now, and the Pacers are really going to have to evaluate if they're dealing Buddy Heald, maybe not this week, but before the deadline. We'll go more on the Pacers when we come back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk.